Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Forging the Path. My name is Adam and I am very excited about who I get to interview today. It's my own dad. We got a father-son edition coming at you and um, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Just really quick, Forging the Path. What we're all about is helping men become the men that God created them to be. Uh, And if ever there was a time in our culture where we needed men to rise up, step up, speak up, it's right now. Um, We need godly fathers, husbands, leaders, uh, pretty much everywhere you look. And so we just want to add to the conversation. This podcast could never be a substitute for reading the Word of God for yourself. For It's not a substitute for local church. It's not a substitute for uh, fellowshipping uh, with other guys, you know, developing that band of brothers in your own life. But it hopefully adds much to the conversation uh, and the many conversations that we need to be having right now. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce my dad. Uh, We affectionately call him Papa Z around our house. He, um, you know, my dad, a couple key things. My dad taught me the gospel. My dad taught me the guitar. (laughs) And if you know me, those are two things that are near and dear to my heart. And um, without my dad uh, doing that, uh, I don't I don't know who I'd be, really. Uh, that wasn't until a little bit later in life where the gospel actually sunk into my heart and, and became uh, my only hope. But I, I grew up well-versed in the stories of the Bible, what Jesus did, and uh, what faith in Christ ought to have meant to me. I just, I kind of was keeping it at an arm's distance for a little while. I didn't outright reject it, but I, you know, I certainly wasn't committed to it until about 19. Uh, and then, it's really funny, Dad, because then I'd come home from college and we would have conversations till like 2 a.m. some nights as, uh, as I was beginning to learn, as if for the first time, all of these Sunday school truths that you had been teaching me <laughs> my whole childhood. Yeah. But that's that's just how God works sometimes. Yeah, the curious thing about that is that um, as a as a dad, you want to assume that your your child is soaking up everything that you're teaching, and that's not necessarily always the case. So um, I had assumed that you are already in the bag for Jesus, you <laughs> yeah. know, before that. Yeah, as as a at least as an adolescent and early teen. Um, so it was kind of surprising. And of course I didn't quite know what to make of it. Um, at that age when you really did discover Jesus and subscribe to the, the whole idea of the gospel. Yeah. Um, so it was an interesting time and one that, um, certainly, uh, was transformational for me as well, uh, having gone through some life changes and, um, how was how is that transformational for you? Uh, my my coming to the Lord with with my whole heart. Well, I certainly, you know, for one, was forced to look at things from a a new perspective, mm. because having been raised in a denominational church and having raised you guys in a denominational church, yeah, the outlook was different. Um, it 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 wasn't assumed, um, you know, like I. I assumed things just happened in a certain way and it wasn't necessarily taken that way. Mm -hmm. It didn't necessarily stick. 
you can't just crank out believers by putting them through classes uh, or by putting them in front of teachers or taking them to church every Sunday. Right. So um, those are good things. Yes. But but only the Holy Spirit can bring someone from death to life. Right. So so it was kind of a new chapter in my life rediscovering the gospel, rediscovering Jesus mm. from someone that I didn't expect at you know for sure uh to 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 get that new perspective from. Mm-hmm. Um and and coming from a non-denominational let's say uh viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So those were those were changes for me and um a time again when I had to look at things in a new way, but it was it was a really cool um, era that you went through and then I went through, yeah, um, because of circumstances or you know life changes for me, um, and it was something that I really needed at that time. So I I don't think Adam, you have any idea how much you impacted me <laughs> starting at age nineteen and from there until today. That's yeah. I have no idea. That's crazy how God works. I I truly don't. I I just remember really exciting conversations with the two of us, and sometimes others in our family or in our friend network. Um, just being fascinated by God, like talking about what Jesus is doing in our lives, mm-hmm. how He's shaping us, changing us, teaching us, and how He's using us to influence other people around us. We we were just, it was just very adventurous. Like wow, what is what is God doing? Look at what he, I'm learning this in scripture or, oh, I had this divine appointment with a stranger at the grocery store. And we, we were having conversations regularly. I, I, would, I remember being very excited to come home from college just to have more of those conversations with you and sit out on the patio and smoke a cigar and, and just talk about his kingdom. It's, it was so cool. Yeah. I remember one of the questions that, that kind of um, became you know, something that you'd say to me regularly, what is God teaching you today? Or what is God teaching you lately? And I'm like, what? I never had anybody ask me that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Well, that's awesome, Dad. That's really cool. Um, I think it just, for me, it's, it's really encouraging now that I'm raising kids and I'm wondering, gosh, is this stuff sticking? Because there's no such thing as conveyor belt Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, like I'm knowing that my kids can't ride the coattails of my faith. Uh, while they're in my home, I'm going to teach them. I'm going to lead them. I'm going to expect certain things from them. But there's going to come a point where my prayer is that this is their own personal, vibrant relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, I can't make that happen right. in right. my own strength. Right Now, I have an important role to play as a father. Like the Lord is calling me to be responsible with certain things, but it does make me eager to wake up early in the morning and pray for God to do in my kids the things that only God can do in my kids. But it also gives me encouragement when I'm wondering if they're really getting it to know in my own life, I didn't get it for a long time. You know, it may be in my head, I got a lot of stuff, but in it, you know, that, that, like we've talked about many times, that 16-inch journey, that 18-inch journey from head to heart makes all the difference in the world. And I know that I'm planting seeds and watering seeds right now for my, my kids 
that I'm trusting God for the growth, you know, in, in their own lives. So uh, I look at my own life and, and I take courage, like, okay, you know, God's got a different timetable sometimes. Like, there's certain things I want to see my kids growing in and excited about that I'm, I'm just going to continue to guide them, lead them, and trust that God will do something great with it like he did in my life. Like, not maybe not in the moment when you were teaching me some of this important stuff, but wow, it all went off like fireworks when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I think, wouldn't it be easier just if it were a mechanical... Um, type of learning situation like um, you know like you teach your kids math or reading and yeah. there's a test and then you you can tell if they got it or not but um, like if you could just tell them something and say okay do you accept what I'm saying yes and then they become believers for life and they're you know they, they want to dive into their Bible and, <laughs> and tell others but it doesn't work that way right so yeah that's okay though that that all the more reason to like pray and give glory to god who does the work yeah and the thing that i think was missing most possibly from my denominational background was the relationship is Mm -hmm. is to realize that it's a living relationship it's not a mechanical thing it's not it's not church attendance it's not taking the lord's supper it's not um agreeing to church membership right it's it's a living, active relationship, just like a father and a son or a parent and a child. Yeah. Yeah. And for those wondering, we uh, the denomination we're speaking of is a, a conservative side of the Lutheran denomination. So uh, a lot of, not to badmouth anyone or anything, there, there were a lot of good things about mm-hmm. that denomination. Their love for the Word of God and their prioritization of the Scriptures, awesome, yeah. awesome stuff. The way they... Um, taught both law and gospel, really beautiful stuff there too. Um, and there were a lot of good people there. I remember growing up in that church and there were, a lot, you know, yes. I felt safe in that church. There wasn't a, a hint of threat or abuse or danger. I, you know, I, I felt genuinely safe and protected in that environment. So it's certainly not all bad by, right. by any stretch. It was weak in some areas mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. But then, then again, the Lord just redeemed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Dad, um, <clears throat> one of the first questions I'd love to hear from you is, what is your favorite childhood memory? And if you have more than one, feel free to go there. You, can, you don't, I don't want to limit you to one, yeah. but you have you have a really cool testimony in your own right, uh, um, your childhood especially. So, what's your favorite childhood memory? Well, I wrote down seven, and, <laughs> and um, you know, there's a lot, but. And, and, and I have some really great favorite memories, which I'll share with you. I have some also that are not, not so great that we probably don't need to get into today. So it was a really mixed bag. But some of my good ones are Christmas Eves. And we were a family that opened our presents from Santa on Christmas Eve. I know a lot of family traditions do that on Christmas Day. But that was one. Um, and I, uh, I had uh, six other siblings, so seven of us kids, and it was a big deal because we would go to church on Christmas Eve and then come home, and all the kids had to go upstairs and wait for Santa to come. <laughs> 
And then at, at a certain point, my dad say, okay, kids, you can come down now. And we would literally like, you know, fall over each other trying to get down the stairs uh, so we, we could attack our gifts. So that was one. Uh, and one of those Christmases, my dad did a really cool thing for me. Um, and just as a little background, we did not have money. We, um, you know, <laughs> we were we were on the on the uh, poor side of things. Uh, my dad worked all the time, so I'm not saying we always ate. We always had uh, clothing and shelter, the necessities of life, mm-hmm. but we didn't have extra money. So um, one year, my dad did a cool thing, and um, he got this bike. He rescued this bike out of the junk pile that someone else was throwing out, and. You know, if you can picture like these car shows where they do a restoration. Yeah. He did a restoration on this bike that ended up super cool. It was a 20-inch frame. And uh, he put high handlebars and a banana seat on it. How it, old were you about at this this Christmas? Oh, boy. Probably probably like um, 12-ish. Yeah. If I had a, if I had a guess. Yeah. And gr- grandpa worked for the city of Milwaukee, right? Yep. You know, yep. plowing streets, collecting garbage, you know, he just was a city worker. So he, yeah. he f- this was one man's junk becomes another man's treasure sort of thing. Right, right. His title was equipment operator, but, uh, but most of the time he ended up, uh, he was, he, he drove a garbage truck. Um, so as unglamorous as that is, um, he was a, he was a very skilled guy. He was actually an expert mechanic. And um, at one point, was rumored to almost put the local auto repair shop out of business. So uh, <laughs> he, he had some skills. Yeah, he did. Uh, but he restored this bike, and um, it was sitting in the living room, uh, gleaming, repainted, like all completely redone. And that was just the coolest gift. Because those bikes at that time were all the rage for kids my age. Yeah, Like you had to have... Uh, a 20 inch bike with high handlebars and a banana seat. Yeah. That was cool. So that was, that was huge. <laughs> what did, so let's, let's talk about what did that mean for you at that moment in your life? Because I don't think grandpa Zastro could, could ever imagine that here we are in 2023. He's, he's in heaven, you know, and we're talking about something he did on a Christmas Eve when you were 12 that he maybe just, never really thought of again, unless you mm-hmm. told him. But it's, isn't that interesting as dads that we, we, don't, we don't realize the impact of, of some of the little things that we mm, do? That is for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is hard to, it's, it's mind-blowing to think of the impact that, that some things can have down the road. Yeah, but, uh, but it was huge. Yeah. Just, just because of the fact that we didn't have money, and now I had this, you know, spectacular bicycle. Best bike in the neighborhood, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that spring later on after Christmas and you getting it out there? Oh, I couldn't wait to get it out. Yeah, it was huge. That's awesome. Yeah. Some other memories. Um, well, so I'm, 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 I'm like 5'9", okay? I, well, I used to be. I'm shrinking. But um, <laughs> pickup basketball was a huge deal in our neighborhood and at that time. Yeah. Um, I played organized basketball in grade school, but I, I didn't even make the freshman team in high school because mm-hmm. I was too short. But um, absolutely loved playing pickup basketball, played into my 40s. And um, that's that's a big childhood memory. You were good. I remember the, the your hook shot was legendary. 
because <laughs> you were short and it was a way to shoot the ball consistently without ever getting blocked. Yeah. I, I remember seeing you at YMCA. I remember hearing, you know, guys you'd play against like, dang it, Zastro and that hook. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They were ticked. Yeah. It wasn't my, it wasn't my go-to shot. My, I, I, I feel like my go-to shot was the jumper from the corner. Oh yeah. You know, that was my most reliable shot. Um, so I, I was a good shooter you were and and I, I was told that I was quick and I think those were the two skills that um, enabled me to play competitively somewhat in uh, pickup basketball yep um, yeah riding bikes with friends uh, here's another family one that I'll share is Saturday night treats so in that same era of childhood and adolescence um, since we didn't have a lot of money, and seven kids, seven mouths to feed. One of the traditions that we had in our house was Saturday night treats. Well, Saturday night treats um, amounted to my dad making popcorn in a kettle, and we could have a half a bottle of soda. <laughs> we had all all these flavored sodas that we got at the local beer depot, and the younger kids could split a bottle of soda, a 12-ounce bottle, and the older kids could have a whole bottle, like two or three of the older kids got a whole bottle, um, just because, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. how much money we had. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so that was something that we looked forward to. Yeah, yeah. What did, uh, how, like, what did, what would you say to families right now? Because um, a lot of what you're talking about, uh, you know, speaks to hanging out in the neighborhood, playing with other guys, basketball, riding bikes. And then, and now you're mentioning a, a family night that was consistent once a week, every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And it might not have been much, but it's a memory you're still talking about now, right. you know, yep. however many years, 50, 60 years later. Right. So what uh, what advice would you give to dads now? Mm-hmm. We we live in a house where now every home instead of having one TV, we've got seven or eight screens. You know, a couple of big screens, uh, a few computers, and then a bunch of cell phones. I mean, how important is it for people to, especially men, speaking maybe to the fathers, get outside, play play basketball, encourage your kids to connect with other friends in the neighborhood. Go play with them yourself. I don't know. Um, and then have have a consistent rhythm of like, hey, every Saturday we do something special as a family. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Yeah, you're talking about family traditions. And when I was a kid, family traditions were huge. And they were encouraged and emphasized. Not so much now. Like you said, in the, in the day and age of screens where, um, you know, kids are encouraged to be gamers, we're... we're we're becoming isolated from each other mm-hmm. by technology for one and maybe for some other factors. But yeah, establishing family traditions is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about memories or, or making memories that we don't know will be impactful down the road. They will. Yeah. They will. So um, gathering around the dinner table, that seems to be a lost art today with uh Mom and dad both working. That's a that's a societal factor. And all the extracurriculars that kids are in oh, now. Oh, sports! You, you can't you can't play. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you, I could play two, three sports a year. Each season had its own. Hey, this is a three month season. We got football, then you got basketball, then you got track. Yep. 
And then you got the summer to to be a kid, you know, ride a bike, play with friends. You you can't do kids don't do that as much nowadays because each sport they're starting younger and younger in a specialized sport, and then that sport is like nine months, mm-hmm. and it's I mean, it's Sunday through Saturday sometimes, and a lot of what I'm seeing with guys my age with kids, you know, in their teens is their extracurriculars are so demanding, mm-hmm. so demanding now. The kids are playing the game at a higher level than I ever did and you ever did. Okay, that's great. But at what cost, I wonder? Because family dinners are vanishing because parents are working and or because kids are so involved in their extracurriculars. And I, I have to wonder with you, that, that probably doesn't seem very healthy. I wonder what the long-term effects might be because of this. Yeah, I don't think they're good. Um, so... Um just f- find simple things. Um, if you can do dinner, I think that's the most impactful Yeah. on a regular basis, even if it's not every night. Um, try to do it on some nights Yeah. That, that it works for you. Even if it's start with, start. if you're never having family dinners, any of you listeners out there, start with once a week, it, baby steps. Mm-hmm. Okay, every Thursday, whatever. Find a night, make a small sacrifice. We're all eating together as a family. We'll all have meaningful conversations. Um, we'll help with the prep and the cleanup. Uh, that even that could be a game changer. Yeah, and if you can't do as many of those as you would like to, at least maybe consider if you have you know kids kids in your house yet is um, pray with them in the morning. Doesn't have to be long. Pray mm-hmm. with them when they go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that you do, Adam, yeah. with your kids, and you have. Yeah. So find ways to connect with your kids on a regular basis. Try to involve mom and dad and the kids all together if that's possible. But um, those those touch points are impactful. Yeah, yeah, they really are. Awesome. Um, any other family traditions that are that are meaningful to you, or just memories? I should say childhood memories. Yeah, well, uh, we didn't have a lot of things, but um, the family dinner table we had we had that every night. Yeah. And on weekends, so um, for for all the things that didn't go right in our house, um, I can look back on that and really appreciate the family dinner time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. I yeah, I like what you're saying about family traditions. I I remember even growing up with you and mom. Um, you guys did a great job having consistent family dinners. It was just an expectation. It got a little harder as I became a teenager and as Ben was going off to a, to a different school out of town for a little while. But uh, as often as you guys could, it was a home-cooked meal, even if it was super simple. You know, mm-hmm. I remember you, burgers on the grill. I know mom had a couple of her signature dishes. Mm-hmm. But the expectation was, we're going to sit and eat together. We're going to talk about our day. We're going to ask each other questions and uh, you would usually crack a few dad jokes and then we'd, we'd all help with some manner of cleanup. Yes. Okay. You're on dishes. You're sweeping the floor. You know, you wipe the table and put away the leftovers. Uh, that was really healthy growing up uh, for our family. And um, I think it's like we said earlier, it's, it's vanishing a little bit nowadays. And uh, we just encourage any of you listeners out there, strive to do what you can to bring it back. Yeah. And on the coattails of that, um, as you mentioned, you know, giving kids a little bit of responsibility, uh, ownership 
in in the process of that. Yeah. Preparing, cleaning up. Um, maybe it's uh, cleaning a room or cl- at least cleaning their room. Um, things to do within the household that give them ownership and responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. So, Dad, if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would that be? Well, there would be a lot of things. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, I would, I, all right, here's a few. <clears throat> um, take a longer view of life. Uh, don't, not setting aside your, your values for short-term gratification or goal-seeking. Um, and then for me in particular, I think I would tell myself that I realize that I would need to seek healing in some areas, uh, that, that, um, that, that I was wounded and that my siblings were wounded in similar ways. Um, so I, I wanted to gloss over them and just get on with life. I wanted to move out of the house quickly when I turned 18 um, because it was not always very pleasant to be there. So, um, yeah, just taking a longer view of things, taking stock, um, trying to associate with healthy people, which, I I mean, I, I could have used more role models in my life at that time. Yeah. So thing, things along that line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, seek healing in some areas. What, um, what do you think that could have looked like, or maybe later on in life as it did begin to happen? What did that look like? Just for our listeners out there who are maybe thinking like, Hey, maybe I, maybe I've got some healing. I still need, um, and I want to I want to phrase this wisely and delicately because Grandma and Grandpa had a lot of amazing things about who they were, um, but their marriage was a struggle for sure. Um, bless them for not you know calling it quits. Um, and I know gr- Grandma was just amazing in that regard. But it, there were certain factors about how you grew up, in the way you grew up, that left some scars, no doubt. And guess what? That's everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's a yeah. fallen world. Right. There is no perfect father except our heavenly father. And so everybody gets to that point, 18, 19, 20, you're going to have some woundedness. You're just going. Even if you have the best dad on the planet, yeah. you're going to have wounds. So you had wounds. How did they get healed later on? Um, and or, or And or what advice do you give to guys who are maybe thinking, gosh, I've, I've never addressed any of my wounds, and I know I have some. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I, I feel like I didn't have a lot of um, people to go to. And even though my extended family was huge on both sides, my, my parents both had big families, um, and we had a big family. But um, at that time, I, I just didn't have the bandwidth to seek out wise counsel. Uh, in hindsight, though, I would say obviously seek out your pastor. That would be a good starting point. Yeah. And professional counselors, Christian counselors yeah. that, that could help you. Yeah, for sure. Did you have, um, at what point in your life did you find some brothers, some, some men who were maybe, you know, at, at the same place in your life that you could have real conversations about things that mattered? Because I see this as, 
an opportunity for a lot of guys, even in today's culture, just, just finding a brotherhood, mm-hmm. so a, a group of dudes you can talk with about more than the weather, the Packers and work, <laughs> right? Like the, the things that we go to, how you doing, Fred? Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about the Packers? Oh yeah. Uh, or in this season, oh, jeepers, it's not looking good. Well, the weather's warm at least, getting out hunting this weekend. It's like we stay surfacey and superficial, but I think every man needs a band of brothers who you can look in the eye and say, you know what? I'm not doing very good today. Mm-hmm. Here's why. And I need you to hold me accountable and to pray for me. Yeah. That, for me, that didn't happen until much later until I actually got into Bible study groups. Gotcha. Yeah, where we had large groups of, I mean, some of them were mixed, some of them were men only. But um, yeah, not, not in a meaningful way until, until um, probably into my 50s. How did, you, how did you find that type of group? Um, through church and also um, some extended um, study groups that actually you connected me with. Yeah. 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 I guess, I mean, my encouragement to our listeners is to, you know, especially guys out there, like seek out, seek out a band of brothers. Yeah. Seek out. You'll have to ask for permission probably, but, but start talking to guys about real things that really matter. Hey, I'm struggling with my kids or my marriage or, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about changing careers or, Hey, I got some questions about, you know, whatever purpose. I, I, Hey, I, I've never talked to anybody about some of the crap I went through as a kid. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's amazing to me, um, how few men are really willing to, um, get real about problems that they have. We have a tendency to avoid that like the plague. Right. So, um, yeah, it's going to take some effort to really find or to connect with other guys that are willing to do that. And, and it might take, um, some time to warm for them to warm up and for you to warm up to each other, uh, whether it's one-on-one or even in, small group settings right. to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. You you need, yeah. You need a band of brothers. I look at, even biblically speaking, you know, M- Moses had Aaron <laughs> and kind of needed Aaron, I would argue. David had his band of mighty men. He had Jonathan too. I mean, right. talk about a, a, a male friendship there that would make many of us uncomfortable. And even Jesus in his humanity, like, sought companionship with the disciples. Yeah. And and then later on, you know, Paul, Paul never went out on mission trip alone. He, he never, and he was called to it, but he, he, there was Barnabas. And then later on there's, there's Silas and Timothy, and he's always walking with other people. And uh, I, I just think it's biblically well supported that you need community. You need authentic friendship. You need a band of brothers that you can be vulnerable with at times and who will hold you accountable at other times. Uh, we were not meant to be so isolated. Right. And even though we have all the social media and the, the technology connections today, I, th- I think we might be more isolated than we ever have been as a culture right now. Yeah. And um, it, it doesn't have to be someone that you 
that you think of as perfect or without flaws themselves, quite the opposite, mm. is we, we should be seeking out guys that are broken just like we are and are willing to to share and, and you know, want answers and want want to seek those answers through Jesus and through, through his word. So, uh, and you might find them in unexpected places. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. And yeah. I just have a, a, a guy um, at my church that reached out to me recently. He reached out to me and wanted to meet for coffee um, and talk about, talk about stuff, you know, yeah. talk about low down stuff issues. And um, it's, it's something we all need. So, you know, uh, it's not a guy that I thought I would want to hang out with necessarily. I mean, not, there's nothing bad there. Um, we're, 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 we're kind of casual friends. Okay. Yeah. But it's not someone that I thought, Hey man, it'd be cool to hang out with that guy. It just happened. So, um, be open to relationships that you maybe hadn't considered. Yeah. 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 So good. So true. I also think, uh, an encouragement we could give to anybody listening is maybe take a few minutes today as you're listening to this and think of one or two guys you know that you'd like to invite in. Mm. To Maybe you got a Bible study, a men's group, a prayer group. A, 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 I don't know. Maybe it's just a golf group. It doesn't have to be super spiritual. It's just a group of guys hanging out that you know they're real, they're authentic, they are going after what matters. But you also know some other guys who are not, they don't have a tribe. They don't have a band of brothers. Um, think of one or two guys in your life that you can reach out to today and invite them in. Yeah. I don't, yeah, it could, it could be, hey, you want to you go trap shooting? I mean, it doesn't have to be, let's get a cup of coffee and talk about deep stuff right away. Right. It's, it's just the brotherhood that needs to be formed. And a lot of times for guys, we need to be doing something with our hands in order to, and then good conversation happens. Yeah. You know, hey, yep. hey, I got to, you know, I got to work on some stuff in my garage. You want to come hang out with me? Uh, I could use a hand. And then while you're doing that, hey, how are you, man? For like, for real, how are you doing? Yeah. You could pass me that wrench. Like, how's your marriage? How you, How's it going with your kids? Like, how's your walk with God? What's up? Yeah. If you ever need prayer, I'm here. That That kind of stuff goes a long ways in getting guys into real fellowship. Yeah, and, and I'll get off on a, on a very slight tangent here. Please um, do. In that regard, you know, busyness is is a thing that sometimes we wear as a badge of honor. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm so busy. Oh, really? Yeah, you're busy at work. Oh, yeah, work is busy, you know. And we just get sucked into that vortex of busyness Um. And all the while, we should be thinking about margin. We think we, we should be thinking about having a little margin in our lives where we don't have to go right from this thing to the next thing, that we have a few minutes or, or a few hours in between or a day in between two really other busy days yeah. to allow for those kind of relationships or opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Busy, oof, yeah. We're all busy, right? We're all busy. We're all busy. And you're right. We do start to, we, we, we wear it as a badge of honor. Yeah. And, and I do. I don't mean to, but I, like, I sometimes find that coming out of my own mouth. Like, oh, I'm, I'm right. busy. Got a lot going on. A lot of plates spinning. Yeah. And some of them I'm really proud of, but I'm still feeling busy. But 
at least I'm not I'm not lazy. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, and and isn't that like sometimes the fear yeah. of the stigma of, hey, what do you got going on? Oh, not much. Well, you sl- you slacker. You know, <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like, sure. no, I gotta be. I gotta have stuff going on all the time. You know. Conversely, um, the busy people I know in my life, uh, when I meet with them, even one on one, I never seem to have their full attention. Right. Right, because they can't they can't not look at their phone for more than a couple minutes. <laughs> Don't you hate that? Um, that you know, and and they're fidgety, and they're they got their planner out, and they got another appointment in half an hour. So, you know, and they relate to the appointment with me, <laughs> but now they got uh, it's uh, it's it's. It just is, it ruins your opportunities to really be impactful. I don't see, Jesus was busy. Let's talk about a man who was busy. He had a lot going on, mm-hmm. a lot on his plate, a lot to get accomplished. It involved the salvation of the world, you know? Like, he's, he's, he's busy. Those three years of ministry, busy. But I get the sense when I read the Gospels, he, he treated every single person as if that they were the only thing that mattered in that moment to him. Yeah. Uh, like, he doesn't seem rushed. Right. is what I'm trying to get at. So that that's for me, dad. Like that I'm going to take that's my big takeaway from <laughs> this conversation so far is I've I've done that to people. I've been the busy one who has not given them my full attention and who's thinking about the other things they got to do later that day. And I think it robs me of the opportunity to really be a blessing to them and and when you're around people who give you their full attention and take their time and don't seem rushed, they're restful people to be around. Mm-hmm. You, you walk away like, ah, oh, man, I feel like rejuvenated. I mm-hmm. just, it's restful to be in their presence as opposed to, I kind of feel like I'm bothering them. It feels a little stressful. They got a lot going on. I better not reach out to them for a while because they're so busy. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just stay in further isolation because of that. Yeah. And, and how, how does it feel when, you know, we present the image to someone else like we don't have time for them? Are they going to come back to you again when, they, when they're in, in a time of need? Maybe not. Maybe you turn them off, you know. Mm-hmm. So it just has so many implications. Um, is it easy to do? No. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to do, you mm-hmm. know. But Jesus always went off and prayed. Yeah. And he said in a message that I remember you telling... Um, he said, I have to go to, through Samaria, right, on the way back because he knew there was something, he knew there was someone there and a group of people that he needed to reach. Yeah. Yeah. What? He was always about his father's business. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of um, a, a mentor. I, knew, <laughs> I was mentored by a guy named Joe for about five years. And Joe struck me and still does to this day. He was always, he was just restful to be around. Now I knew the rhythms of his life. Joe had a great way of saying yes to what really mattered and no to what didn't really matter. And this was a guy who spent lots of time alone with the Lord, like Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And so when you got Joe, you you got his full undivided attention and you felt like really filled up. He just like, "Hey, hey bro, nothing else in the matter in the world matters to me right now. Just being with you and giving you my full attention. Mm-hmm. How's your heart? How's your walk with the Lord? What's God been speaking to you lately? How can I encourage you?" 
And uh, it's leaders like that that really I, I'm like, oh, I want to be more like that and a little less like the busy, busy, busy. And I, you know, working in real estate, it's just everywhere. So Right. And, and I think that takes practice because yeah. when we fill up our lives, as I am in the habit of doing, filling up your schedule, yeah. it takes effort to be available to people. Yeah. When, when it comes up, I think it's a practice that we need to engage in to be available when people need us to be available. Yeah. Because you never know when it's going to happen. Right. You might get a call, or if you're in a group setting, like in a Sunday morning church service, and someone approaches you and starts talking, but you need to talk to someone else before you go. You're thinking about that next person. <laughs> and, yeah. and of course, on Sunday morning, it's like, hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, you doing great? Yep. Okay. See you next week. Oh, bye-bye. Yeah. You know. Dad, a lot of this talk of busyness reminds me of one of my favorite childhood memories. You've, you've given me hundreds of them. One of them is this. Every single time I asked you to play catch with me or shoot hoops with me, you were in. And I would ask you, I remember you want you were for a few years you worked a job where I, I think you started your your route at four or five a.m. Well, I got up at four. <laughs> you got up at four. What time did you get home in those days? Uh, it wasn't early most days. Yeah, yeah. Three, four, uh, five, th- three, three o'clock would have been an early day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere between three and five, yeah. you got up at four. And and I have I have a couple memories of where you you actually cracked a beer. <laughs> and you were re- you were ready like I'm just I'm gonna sit and read this magazine or watch the evening news and I'm like there's still daylight Dad you want to go catch you, Hey Dad you want to shoot hoops and I you thought about it for a moment you t- you had a big sigh ah <sighs> uh, yeah okay sure yeah go get my mitt <laughs> you'd set down your beer <laughs> you'd lace up your sneakers or whatever and you would meet me outside for a game and I could tell as young as I was, seven, eight, nine, ten, whenever I was bothering you for this, which I know I wasn't really bothering you, but you made the choice as a, as a busy, tired dad to invest in me in those games to catch and in those games of shooting hoops. And one of the reasons I have no problem, and w- when I was 19, I, I had no problem seeing God as a good and loving father because you gave me that physical, practical, real-life example. Even when you were busy and tired and maybe for a moment didn't really feel like it, you, you made the choice to not be too busy, to not be too tired, and give me your best in that moment. And that impressed me in such a way that that's, like, that's the dream in my heart that I would give my kids those same experiences. And it also impressed me that that's exactly what our Heavenly Father is like. Billions of people on the planet, yet He's infinite and powerful enough to look solely on you and give you His full attention because He's, he's that powerful. And I, like, I just, I want you to know that, that I, I'm so grateful for that, that that matters so much to me even now that I'm 41. But I also... I want our listeners to know that as a kind of a takeaway, especially all you dads out there, all you tired and busy dads. I'm raising my hand. I'm one of you. I think when we have those opportunities, don't don't let them pass you by. 
Like when my daughters came to me and I was busy and they were playing dress up and makeup and said, dad, don't I look pretty? I knew that that was a moment. I could say, yeah, kiddo, you look pretty and go right back to my emails. Or I could fold my computer up, look them in the eye, sweep them up in my arms and say, oh my goodness, you look beautiful. Wow, you painted your nails. Oh, you know, and, and that it works. It, what you're giving your kids in that moment is what my dad gave me in that moment, which really forms a person and helps them see the Father in heaven for who he really is. Yeah. So like speaking to busyness, dad, thank you so much for that. That like you have no idea what that means to me even to this day and how it taught me what a good dad does. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for mentioning those memories and it's very gratifying to hear. Um, <clears throat> but it kind of goes back to the memories that I, I just mentioned in my childhood yeah. that my dad probably had no clue or my mom that they would be that impactful you know, for the rest of my life. So, yeah, it's it's super important, and it's um, it's maybe habits that we, as uh, parents and grandparents, um, should really uh, remind ourselves of. Mm. Amen. Yeah, Dad, uh, did you have any other advice you would give yourself, your eighteen-year-old self? I don't want to pass that up. I <laughs> <laughs> well, feel free. Not, you know the. Nothing, nothing really more specific than that. Um, yeah, it, it was a tough time in my life. I was trying to figure out who I was. So um, my, my, uh, some of the decisions I made in my thinking at that time was not necessarily um, all that clear um, in long-term situations. So I don't have a lot probably to offer your, your audience in regards to that other than, um, you know, seek the Lord because uh, I was seeking healing in some unhealthy ways yeah um so yeah seek the lord because uh he's the great physician yeah yeah what yeah looking for the right things in all the wrong places Mm -hmm. right yeah (laughs) wanting love wanting relationship wanting acceptance yeah yeah and but in all the wrong places yeah (laughs) yeah and and how many people do we know like that we i mean we all know tons of people that that are seeking love in the wrong places and i I, i'm one of them sometimes still and and i for sure was um you know until uh, yeah until when i was 19 so i guess i guess another thing to add to that is who do you know that's in a hard spot that may be seeking someone that you can help you know yeah Uh, again seek someone out not just wait for someone to come to you yeah for sure reach out yeah. shoot someone a text today mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just be present. Don't be so busy and so tired that you miss those opportunities, whether it's with your own kids or other, other guys in your life, other people in your life. Uh, Dad, what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned as a father? Um, uh, how much your kids need a stable, loving, and safe environment. Mm. Yeah, that's... um. You know, they, they need to know that you're present, that you're there. Um, even if you're, even if you feel like you're the person in need, um, that, that they, they need you desperately at that time in their life. Yeah. So, um, 
what 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 do you think you would say is one of the greatest needs as you look out uh, at our culture and our country right now in terms of of fatherhood how how does what you just said transfer into what's going on in society right now well we i feel like the world today is saying um seek gratification for yourself above all things mm. um and as we touched on before, it's, it tends to be isolationist, um, spending time on the computer, gaming, too many screens. Um, man, COVID really did a number on us in, in that regard, too, keeping us separated, keeping kids out of school, keeping us out of church, yeah. which is a whole nother tangent. But... Um, um, just <laughs> yeah, that's not a tangent at all. Yeah, we could take a bold stance there. Yeah, I'm not going to pull any punches. Um, you know, the churches should not have shut down in COVID. Right. And uh, YouTube church, live stream church, whatever is is not church. Yeah, it's not the assembling, gathering together of the saints. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it could be a great way to listen to some nice Christian music and hear a little bit of the Word of God, but you're, what you're missing is that fellowship, that deep, rich fellowship and accountability um, and, and brotherhood, sisterhood, and that is an integral part of what we call church. And so you can't, especially in today's age, you can't just podcast or YouTube your church experience. It's not biblical church when you do that. And too many churches were so easy to go that direction in COVID. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I'll just encourage the body right here that if you're looking at Sunday morning as a sleeping opportunity to to watch a live stream, go back to church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes and amen to that. I'm hearing you say a lot of uh, around the lines of uh, just, just being selfless. Mm-hmm. As a father, um, putting others first, and I think that's well in keeping with what the Bible calls us to. You know, um, you're you're laying your life down for your wife. You're laying your life down for your kids. You're, it's the uh, what what Luke and I were talking about several weeks ago. The the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. Mm. Mm. That's the call to biblical masculinity. Yeah, the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. So. Um, yeah, especially I'll add when you don't feel like it. Yeah, it's probably in those moments where you're going to make a really great memory for someone. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a call to sacrifice um, on on a number of levels of things that we're talking about today. Uh, the other thing is that um, time flies. Uh, there, there, there's no, there's no tomorrow when it comes to you know those special times with your kids. Do it today. Do it now and find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of what you said to me as I was, as you and mom were helping me move into college at lacrosse. So moms were all unpacked in my dorm room. Mom's, mom's crying and saying her goodbyes. And it's, it's great. It's what, it's what a healthy mom should do. Honestly, it was good. Um, But you, you might've had a couple tears in your eyes, but you were also a little, I could, you were kind of frustrated you were like giving me a hug and you're like, dang it, this is hard. I, I spent all these years 
helping you become the man you've become and you've turned out to be a really awesome guy and now we have to say goodbye to you mm. just when you're the most fun to hang out with yeah. <laughs> and you were you were kind of chuckling but i could tell you were you were a little bit like shoot this is this is hard this isn't fun i want now i i want you around every day i want to spend time with you every day and i got to say goodbye uh so yeah time flies Time flies, right? You, yeah. you probably didn't know how fast it was going to fly. I'm certainly astounded that my oldest is already 16. Yeah. I'm like, holy smokes. Right. I got a couple more years with her, two, three, four, maybe if she decides to live at home a little longer. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes, time flies. Yeah. And of course, we can apply that to life in general. Like how many people on their deathbed are saying, boy, I wish I would have spent more time at the office this morning mm. or, or, you know, through, yeah. or, I mean, throughout my life. Um, no, we, we, we wish we would have spent more time with our kids, with our wives, with our families, right. You know, in, in, in enjoying each other's company, right. Just, just doing life together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But the, but the point about you going off to college, that was my first taste of kind of saying goodbye to a kid. I, you know, it's not permanent, right. But it, but it's definitely a milestone. Right. Um, when your brother Ben, um, when we decided to send him to a boarding high school. Yeah. And he was essentially gone from my life. That was like college four years early. Yeah. And that, and we were blindsided by that. Yep. Like we never expected um, for him to go to a, a high school where he'd be gone all the time. Right. That's college. That's like four years later. And uh, that was even more impactful in terms of realizing how short your time is with your kids. Yeah, yeah. So it's worth the sacrifice. You know, we've talked about this in other episodes, and I think Russ is a guy I've talked about this quite a bit. You know, you, time is one of those resources you can't go make more of. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you can make more money. Yep, and, and you should. You should work hard and make money. Um, but you you don't get time back. So if you're if you're choosing between, hey, should I, you know, work that extra weekend and miss out on what my kids are doing, or should I be with my kid? You know, we would probably encourage you pray about maybe spending more time finding ways to spend more time with your kids while you got them under your roof. Mm-hmm. Um, that that would that would be a prayer. Don't be lazy. Go work hard. <laughs> be awesome at your job. Be excellent, but whew, protect that time with your kids and, yeah. and try and make more of that. Yeah, those opportunities. Sure. You did that really well with with me, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. And uh, it actually it reminds me of another. I have so many great memories of my dad. Um, I actually remember when you taught me how to ride a bike, <laughs> and how I got mad at you for because. And it's such a lesson to me now of how the Lord is with us at times. So riding the bike, I'm getting frustrated because I didn't get it on my first try, of course. Like oldest kid, perfectionist, obviously insecure. Like if I'm not perfect at something, I don't want to ever do it again. But you had me do it again and again. And I I was finally starting to get it. And uh, I remember saying, okay, dad, this is going pretty well. Just don't let go yet. And I hear you say, what? from like 20 feet behind me. <laughs> I had no idea that you had already let go of the bike. So five-year-old me is going down our block on my own now, and I have two immediate thoughts in my mind. Wow, this is awesome. I'm awesome. Look at me go. Combined with, holy crap, my dad let go. I don't know how to stop or turn around yet. 
<laughs> and so then you're like, all right, buddy, that's far enough. Turn, try and turn around. And I wiped out, of course, real slow, fall to the ground, get up. I'm mad at you. I'm like, you let go, you let go. And you're kind of jogging down the street saying, yeah, but buddy, look, like you went like the length of three or four driveways all on your own. This was awesome. And you were you were spinning it like this is a victory. Look how far you went on your own. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm like, you let go and I fell down and I'm embarrassed and I could have got hurt. And uh, I don't know. Now I look around, I see dads who aren't even the ones teaching their kids to ride the bikes. You know, their moms are, mm. or their kids are figuring that out on their own. Yeah, like, I have so many good memories of you teaching me how to shoot, how to throw a ball, how to, just all sorts of how to fix stuff, how to you know, hammer a nail and, uh, and you chose to be present. You chose to prioritize spending time with me and give me all those great memories and lessons. Even if some of them are funny when I, when I kind of got mad at you and as a five-year-old learning to ride his bike, Mm -hmm. but that's so important for men today to invest in their kids like that. Yeah. Another facet of, of fatherhood that I'll throw in here is giving your kids the freedom to fail. There you go. Oh, that's it, a good segue. It, it ties ties into the bicycle analogy. Yep. You know, it, we we especially today, it's like okay, every kid has to get a trophy for participating. Every kid has to wear a helmet. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a new phenomenon. Uh huh. It's not something that I grew up with. Right. Um. So uh, I I tend to be somewhat critical of our protectionism that we are told we should have. Yeah. Um, but kids and people in general need freedom to fail. Yeah. How do you learn? You learn, do we learn? We learn from our successes for sure. Mm-hmm. We learn how to do things. But don't we learn a lot from our failures? Tons. Tons. Right? So. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you remember, um, you remember hit, okay, so it was right before Easter, uh, the day before Easter, I don't remember how old I was. It was my first black eye. You were hitting ground balls to me in the backyard. Hmm. So I needed to work on my ground balls, either for Little League or for maybe some softball. I don't know, something. Uh, one bounced funny and caught me right in the in the cheek below the eye. And uh, and of course, my first words are, you know, Daddy, ah, you know, and you run across the yard. and um, Which is interesting that when we get in, trouble and get hurt our first words are daddy that's Mm. that there's a lesson there too Mm. but um the next day was easter sunday church and easter breakfast and i have an i have a new shiner (laughs) and and you taught me like no buddy this is great because i'm embarrassed i'm like dad this is i'm gonna tell everybody at church and then we got to have like a a family reunion for easter too later that day like dad this sucks it's all because i think it's all because i made a mistake on a ground ball and you were like, buddy, this is awesome. Like, you get to tell people, tell them you got into a fight. And then say, ah, oh, just kidding. Uh, you know, I took a nasty ground ball. Like, make a story. Have fun with it. You know, be tough. Be brave. Like, you know, you got it. You were teaching me how to be a man and how to be a little bit lighthearted about things. But it also ties right into the freedom to fail and not overprotecting our kids. I mean, you were... I remember some session, like you, you didn't always take it easy on me when it comes to, you know, catching balls or shooting hoops. Like you, you test my limits sometimes. And, um, and when I would fail, your knee jerk reaction was to almost celebrate. Hey, wait, all right, cool. You, you, you didn't get that one, but I saw you go for it. Let's try again. 
and yeah. that that it you know I'm still learning that today, aren't we all? Like right, to have that knee jerk reaction when you go big and you fail. I want I want your voice in my ears right away. Like hey, awesome way to go for it. You know, way to give it a shot. Yeah, and and that's totally an art form in itself. Learning what the limits of that are, because you had a good childhood friend whose father probably took it too far. Yeah. And was overly critical. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And took it beyond healthy limits. Okay. So so there's there's a little bit of learning involved with, with that, too. Yeah. But I, I, I'm just coming from the place of the environment that I grew in, I grew up in, um, with very little protectionism to today when everything is over protectionism. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of my paradigm. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We, you know, we, we could use a, we could probably use a little bit more freedom to fail mm-hmm. right now in mm-hmm. our culture, uh, especially with the helicopter parents and participation trophies and yeah. all that nonsense. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good word. Um, so dad, what, like, what does it take to kind of sum some of these things up, what does it take to have a good relationship with your kids? Because for those of you who are listening, I'm very different than my brothers. We're, all three of us are very different people. Mm-hmm. One common denominator is that my dad has this really great relationship with all three of us. Yeah. So can you speak to that a little bit? So I would say unconditional love. And that's, of course, modeled by our Heavenly Father, right? When we screw up, um, we have a tendency to run away when we should be doing the exact opposite, running back, when, when, we, when we fail, when we sin, whatever, um, our first reaction should be to run back to our Father and seek the, seek the forgiveness, seek the healing. Uh, but of course, we, we want to do the opposite. Yeah. So unconditional love, I would say, um, maintain the steadfastness of your values because um, the world... And, and sometimes even your kids will encourage you to compromise your values at times. The world, for sure. I mean, that's the world will always encourage you to compromise your values. Mm-hmm. But even sometimes ideas or friends that your kids bring home um, may not always bring a, a positive um, you know, contribution to your family values. Yeah. So we have to be on guard for that and aware of things that are out there. Uh, taking time for them. Celebrate special days and times. Taking time out, you know. Have, have those birthday parties. Mm-hmm. Um, celebrate those uh, holidays with your family. Um, celebrate their achievements. Celebrate their failures. Mm. Celebrate their failures. <laughs> That's good. How's, how do, what does that look like, do you think? Well, um, like your black eye. I mean, since we're talking about that and since yeah. we're sharing that with your audience, I think that's a perfect example. Um, yeah. Make something good out of something that went bad. There's, there's always something to be learned. Yeah. Uh, and we can always take something away and build on it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, recognize their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying a trophy for every kid on the team is the answer for that. <laughs> I'm saying when you see growth or when you see 
effort on your kid's part, mm-hmm. recognize it and celebrate that. Yeah. And talk about it with them. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I remember I remember uh we're right before a little league game, you said, All right, buddy, if you score a run today, we're going out for ice cream. Cause it had been a couple games and I, I had I got a couple hits, but I hadn't got to home. And I was like, Yeah, but what if I don't score a run? He's like, Well then the next game you play, you score a run. We'll go, next time you score a run, we're going out to ice cream. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I think it'll happen this game. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it did. I don't know if you remember the play. But what happened was uh, I, had, uh, I had stolen third base. Something happened on an overthrow. I slid into the – and the ball was off to the side over the third base. And so the, the third base coach was telling me, home, home, home. So I get up from my side. I'm running to home. But the third baseman got the ball, threw it to the catcher. And I slid between the catcher's legs and, and was home before the tag. And the whole crowd was, yeah, it's a good, good play. I got, I scored a run. And I remember you right by the chain link fence say, looks like we're going to ice cream tonight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, it's stuff like that, dad. It was just, it was super cool. It was like, I'm going to award you for achieving, but hey, even if you don't score a run tonight, well, that just means we'll get ice cream the next game. Mm-hmm. You're going to score a run. Mm-hmm. I just, you, you, you'll do it. And I'm going to reward you for, for doing it. But you, you were right. I mean, you were right there behind home plate. Because like, once, once I had gotten to second, I think you were like, okay, he's, he's, he's in scoring position now. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but that's, and I remember going to the place in McQuanago that isn't open anymore for ice cream after that game. Just feeling like, feeling like the best baseball player in the world, <laughs> which I wasn't. I wasn't even the best on my team, but that was a real cool moment. You were always looking to incentivize mm-hmm. the effort, not necessarily always the outcome. Sure. You know, like, and if if the outcome wasn't what we wanted it to be, you were quick to say, hey, but but good effort. Like you, you put, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and not every kid is a gifted athlete. We all know that. Some are gifted and some are not. Um, but every kid is going to be good at something or other. Yeah. It may not be, you know, uh, uh, us living vicariously through our kids for some sports achievement. Sometimes that's going to happen. Sometimes your kid is a, is a gifted athlete. Yeah. Okay. Other times they're not. They, maybe they should be in band. Maybe they should be um, excelling in art class or, mm-hmm. or, or, or composition or something else. Um, I think one of the keys to, to parenthood is finding and encouraging your kid in, in ways that they're gifted. Yeah. Yeah, I think you were the one who told me, what proverb is it that says, train a child in the way he should go? Mm-hmm. When he's older, he won't turn from it. Mm-hmm. I think you were the one who told me that that doesn't just mean moral, morals. That, that means finding his gifts, his talents, train him in the way he should go. Hey, buddy, you're gifted at ABC. I could see you doing XYZ when you're an adult. You should explore those options. Go ahead. You got gifts and talents in these areas. Uh, have fun with it. Use you put them to use. Yeah. See what happens. You uh, you told me that later on, and when he's like, well, that, that doesn't just mean the do's and don'ts of of like, you know, the commands and stuff. It mm-hmm. also means like find your gifts and put them to use. Train a child in the way they should go. When you notice something inside that child as a gift and a talent, 
let them know about it and encourage them to keep going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't mean being your kid's buddy as a parent. I think that's a big mistake some parents are making. Right. Um, yeah, I'm saying buddy because that was one of my nicknames. Right. <laughs> you, yeah. You but called I, his son's buddy. But yeah, you're yeah. right. You, yeah. Yeah, I just want to make it, going. Keep just, going. To, just to make a distinction like, okay, we, I, I really believe we should be our kids' cheerleaders and encouragers and help them see their potential um, and help them uh, achieve their potential, whatever area or areas that is. But um, just as long as we're talking about it, not, not to like say, hey, oh, that's okay, everything's okay, um, and be an enabler in unhealthy ways. Right. I, I can't think of a way to expound on that in more detail right now. Yeah. But I, I think we, we also can think of parents that are, they want to be their kids' buddies. They don't want to discipline or do the hard things right. to train their kids up either. No, that certainly wasn't you or mom. I, yeah, I'm thankful for, yeah, we, you know, we knew what was right and what was wrong. We, you guys weren't afraid to swat us upside the head and give us the spankings when we needed them as younger kids and take away privileges as we got older, you know, it, you know, was it a timeout or you don't get the car for the weekend, things like that. That's, that's super important too. Yeah. I, while my nickname from you was, was bud or bud Nick or buddy, um, you knew when it was time to be a father and bring loving discipline. And, uh, when it was the time to just, Hey, celebrate great achievements and, you know, Pat on the back, kick in the rear. Both are needed. When are each needed? That takes discernment. And uh, yeah, we had that in our house for sure. Okay. Um, we're going to have to have you back, Dad, because let's, let's, we've got plenty of questions we're not going to get to this time, but I do want to ask you the last couple here, if that's cool. Sure. All right. Dad, what's your biggest prayer for younger men today? Well, it's going to be a real simple answer. Um, I mean, I have a couple things. Number one, follow the Lord. Um, Jesus said, if you seek, you'll find. And um, in Jeremiah 29, I think it says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Mm. So I think as a rule, just always be seeking God's will and seeking to expand the relationship Spend more time. How do, how do we have good relationships with our our spouse and our kids and, and our family? We spend time with them. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, when it comes to God, we don't, we don't really think in terms of spending more time with him. Um, so relationships are, are built on spending time. Mm-hmm. So spending time in the word, spending time in prayer. Yep. Um, listen to two pastors or sermons that are relatable and encouraging to you things that will deepen your relationship um and and that will spill over into the next thing which is to be an example to your wife and kids mm-hmm. um how, how can we be the best example by following the lord you know following what scripture says we should do as as um husbands and fathers mm-hmm. yeah again we're going back to that whole time thing time flies don't uh, don't let yourself become so busy that you don't invest in the highest and most important priorities, mm-hmm. which are usually relationships with 
wife, kids, right. close friends and brothers. That's really good advice, Dad. Um, last question. What does it take to become a strong, godly man? Well, I'm still working on it, Adam. Still working on <laughs> Aren't it. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> it's, it's a daily process. And, uh, um, I, I, you know, other than what I just said about spending time with God is to seek godly counsel from other godly men. Mm-hmm. You know, seek out, whether it's your pastor in your church or a pastor in another church or um, a family member or, or just someone... Um, that you know uh, is a good example and someone who's following the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, seek seek out um, spending time with them. Amen. So, yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, yeah. Making the effort to seek out godly counsel and awesome Christian fellowship. Yeah, and as you ask me that question and, uh, you know, uh, advice on fatherhood and stuff like that i i just i have to say like i'm a work in progress <laughs> i <laughs> uh there's always the the uh notion in the back of my mind that i have to live up to some kind of impossible standard or an artificial standard that i place on myself but i'm 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 imperfect but yet um, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed because uh, I, I I know the Lord um, that I've had the privilege of raising three kids, and that um, I've been able to, you know, have the blessings of of you three guys, and um, I I I just have to say that I owe it all to God because. And, and to people that have poured into my life. And you're you're one of those people for sure. In fact, you're probably the most prominent of anybody that I can think of. So mm-hmm. I'm going to return it back onto you and say that you've been a major influence in my spiritual development. Huh. Yeah, and I think you, you kind of knew that, but you probably don't appreciate how much. So uh, I just want to <laughs> say I'm super proud of you and so blessed. So... Um, Thanks for taking this time to pick my brain and, you know, hopefully something we've said today will bless someone else. Yeah, I'm sure it will because that's just what God does. But you have no idea what that means to me because you're one of my heroes. So for me to be a blessing to you that way is, I think it's just beautiful. And I I think that's oftentimes how God does things in, in relationships with people, the, the, the encouragement and the blessings are mutual. You know, you're my father and you've taught me more things than I can even count. And yet God, by his grace, has used me in some ways to encourage and bless you mm-hmm. um, more than, you know, a lot of other people. And that's that's just awesome. And that's that would be something my that I would pray for my own kids, that I could someday, like, what a, what a thing to aim for, mm. that my kids would look at me and be like, Dad, I'm so grateful for you teaching me all of these things and those things. And for me to then say, yeah, but you know what? Like you're one of the richest blessings in my life. You've mm-hmm. taught me all these things. And uh, and I think that's that's the way God perhaps has designed family to be throughout yeah. the years. Sure. And I'm just glad that we, 
we have that relationship. And I'm, my heart breaks sometimes when I talk to other guys who don't have that relationship with their earthly dad. Um, I know the pain that that causes and I know the extra efforts that they have to take to find that in the Lord and in other um, friendships. And I'm just grateful that I, I have that in you. And um, I know that come what may in my life, I know that I have two people that will support me through thick and thin, Claire and my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll always believe in me more than I believe in myself. Um, and they'll always be there with grace when I totally blow it. And they'll always be there with a shot in the arm when I need a little boost of, of confidence and whatever. So um, thank you. This has been a really fun conversation. And because we didn't even get to all of our other questions, I think we'll just have to have you on again sometime uh, after the new year. But uh, the main takeaway for me, and uh, well, our listeners probably have a lot, but the, the freedom to fail and the, the wrestling with not becoming too busy, um, time is, is limited, spend time with people. And then what you said here at the very end, Dad, I'm wondering if you can just take us out on a prayer. What you said at the very end, what does it take to become a strong, godly man? You were like, yeah, I'm still working on that. But then you pointed right to the gospel. You talked about the impossible standards that we sometimes place on ourselves, Mm -hmm. but how we can go to the Lord with those and find there is someone who's lived up to every impossible standard. There is someone who did it for us. Mm -hmm. And we we can look to Him, we can hope in Him, we can follow Him, and that's our firm foundation. And then when we blow it, which we inevitably will, we can fall into his arms. <laughs> and uh, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. It's, it, you could never do it. So Jesus did. Yeah. Put your faith in him. It's not about you anymore. It's about put your eyes on him. Put your faith in him. He is all in all. Uh, that's, that's what you've been teaching me for years now. Yeah, he's done it all. And we have a perfect heavenly father that we can go to. And that he wants us to go to him. Yeah. So why not avail ourselves of that wisdom and love and relationship? Amen. Yeah. You want to say a quick prayer for us and for all the listeners out there? Father, thanks so much for this time to get into the things of um, parenthood, fatherhood, relationship, and for the the help that you provide, the example that you provide through Jesus, your son, and through your word, and through the encouragement and um, community of other believers. Yeah, um, yeah I just ask that you, you bless everyone in, your, in this audience today that's hearing this message, and um, that you would give them the assurance, Lord, that you love them unconditionally, and that you want nothing more to deepen that relationship. So uh, thank you for being there for us. Thank you for providing Jesus, your son, who, who paid the price for us to have that eternal relationship with you. We pray it in Jesus' name. 